0: Isn't it amazing that when we feel and we find ourselves in a dark place that the I am has promised to hold us fast? Isn't it amazing that he is the one who has a hold of you and of me? And so we're going to continue today. The first bit of what I'm going to say is going to be recapping, because I haven't been here for a couple of weeks, as you know, and thank the ladies who did, brought the word so faithfully and, and for what God has done in, in the last couple of weeks. But we're going to try and reach back beyond, behind that, beyond that, to the last morning I was here, and we're going to try and pick up on these verses in John's Gospel, because I believe that God wants to say something to us this morning that is fresh, And you, I believe he wants to touch you in the deepest part to refresh you, to encourage you, to do whatever you need this morning. God's here to meet you at your point of need because that's the kind of God he is. He is the I am, the one who is past, present and future, the one who is always the I am. He is always for you and always with you. So if you remember over the past few weeks we had been looking at the teachings in John chapter eight, and we 'd been looking at actually John chapter seven and eight, and we 'd been looking at how the Feast of Tabernacles was a time that reminded the Jews of how God had traveled with them through the wilderness in a tent or a tabernacle, and he had traveled with them and journeyed with them through the desert and that at the time of Jesus that they were still keeping this feast every year this annual feast and if you remember we went, we went into detail about how they had drew the water out of the pool of Siloam and how they, they quoted that verse in, in, in uh, Isaiah 12 therefore with joy we shall draw water out of the wells of salvation and we saw how there was water in this feast as they celebrated the feast of tabernacles and there was also light Remember we said that they, they had lights uh, illuminated all over the temple so that the whole of Jerusalem was illuminated with light. And uh, and we saw how that was a very powerful celebration. And in my notes and in your notes, I have given just a reference to Zechariah 13 and 1. On that day, this is the day that the, that the Messiah would come, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. And so this this. Uh, this feast of tabernacles looked back and remembered how God had been faithful to travel with them during their journey in the wilderness but also it was a reminder that God was going to be faithful and he was going to send the Messiah who would bring water and and fountains of living water as the Old Testament so often describes uh, God and his goodness that he's the one who springs up with fountains of living water. And not only that, but that uh, that he was going to come and he was going to cry on that day of the feast. If you remember, we, we spoke about that, John chapter 7, where Jesus cried after this feast. Remember, he stood up and he said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So basically, Jesus was saying, I'm the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. I'm the fulfillment of what this feast is all about. And I'm here. And I can imagine them opening his arms to the crowds and saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come on to me and drink. And remember he spoke to the woman at the well and he said, i give you water, (laughs) fountains of living water that will keep springing up within you and keep you refreshed and you'll never ever be thirsty again. God can satisfy the deep, deep thirst that's in every human being. There is a thirst in all of us. That nothing but God can satisfy. So, after this, do you remember? I'm going to just take you through as we recap. After this, remember, Jesus went to the temple and remember, he had this encounter with the religious leaders. Remember, they had uh, gone and grabbed this woman somewhere that had been taken in adultery. And can you imagine them pulling her, forcing her to come and throwing her before Jesus? and asking him to make a judgment as to what should happen to her according to the law. And we saw over the recent weeks that they were just trying to trap Jesus. Uh, they were trying to get him to say something that would somehow uh, nullify his, his credibility. They, they were trying to, 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 to bring him, trick him, basically. That's what they were trying to do. And, and you see, these were people who were allowing the darkness of the enemy to operate through them because... Uh, This was a clash between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And the enemy was operating through people. And these religious people were actually full of darkness. And they came with their condemnation, pointing the finger at this woman. And remember how we spoke about how Jesus wrote on the ground with his finger. And we, we said the last time that perhaps he was reenacting the finger of God at the Mount of Sinai as God wrote the tables on the tables of stone, he wrote the commandments. And so this may well have been a reminder to the people as Jesus did this. But it's also interesting because as well as that, these people might also... Remember, these leaders would have known the Old Testament. They would have known the word of God. And there's a verse in Jeremiah that actually this verse might have come to their mind. And this verse might have brought them to a place of conviction of their own individual guilt. Here's what this verse says in Jeremiah 17. Lord, you're the hope of Israel. All who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you, listen to this, those who turn away from you will be written in the dust. I wonder if that verse shoot into any of their minds as Jesus wrote on the ground. Did they think, of he writing my name on the ground? Because the verse goes on to say, you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living waters. So Jesus had just stood up and he had just declared himself to be the one who could satisfy their thirst. And these people are coming right in with their demand, of, with condemnation, pointing the finger. Who is it that points the finger but Satan himself? Jesus said he came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. If you feel condemned, you need to know it's not God conviction is a very different thing the holy spirit will convict you gently and beautifully and bring to mind something that god wants to correct in your life but he will not bring the heaviness of condemnation and so uh, these people when they uh, when they saw what jesus did and they heard the words of jesus We know that these leaders, it says from the oldest to the least, they all began to leave and they were obviously under conviction. And it says that when there was no one around to condemn this woman anymore, Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, go your way, sin no more. So remember that had happened. Now I just wanted to add this little bit onto that. Because I believe there's a, the more I've thought about this and meditated and read up on it, I believe there's something more to this. Because this woman... Yes, she committed adultery, but these leaders who were condemning her were part of the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel had actually committed spiritual adultery towards God. So they were guilty of the same thing, only it was even worse, it was spiritual adultery against God. And these people were were, were actually uh, condemning themselves when they point at the finger at the woman. Isn't it amazing when we point the finger, somebody says those three fingers point back to ourselves and we need to be really careful of that. We're not meant to make judgment. God's the judge of all the earth. But this incident <coughs> actually, this spiritual adultery, it talks about this in Jeremiah 3 verse, um, verses 6 to 15. I won't read them all but here's what the Lord said through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, have you seen what faithless?" faithless Israel has done she has committed adultery and then he goes on to say I gave her a certificate of divorce can you imagine the pain that God himself went through because his people committed spiritual adultery what's spiritual adultery it's running after other gods it's not loving the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. And so God has suffered, and for those of us who've come through divorce, we know the pain of divorce. Listen, God knows the pain that you're going through. God has suffered the pain of his people committing adultery. And yet, despite their unfaithfulness, God had continued to offer salvation and the promise of a Messiah who would bring life And over these past weeks we've been looking at these verses in Isaiah 9 where it talks about the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has shone. And, And of course Jesus actually fulfilled that prophecy. And also the prophecy in Isaiah 60, arise shine for your light has come. So Jesus was the light of the world who was fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies and who had come. And he was actually coming to identify himself as the I am. And throughout the book of John, we will see I am in so many places. And we're not going to go over them all now, but you'll know, you can think immediately, I am the bread of life. We've already done that one. The I am, the one who always will be the pres- in the present tense, the I am. And so he had come to to his people to reveal himself as the I am of the Old Testament. He had come to reveal himself as the one who had travelled with them through the wilderness in the tabernacle, and he is the one who throughout the Old Testament, the glory of God we put this, this word is not in the Bible, but we We, call, we put this name on the street, kind of glory. It's just speaking about the glory of God, the, the light and the glory that led them through the wilderness, and the glory that was in the temple and the tabernacle to light up the tabernacle. God's glory lit the tabernacle and then later lit the temple. So Jesus was, uh, was revealing himself to be that very one, the one who, it was his glory that filled these places. And Exodus 40, 34 and 2 Chronicles 7 and 1 all talk about the glory of the Lord filling the tabernacle. But the problem was, and I'm just reading this out, with this bit because I want to get it right and I want you to hear it right as we move forward. However, Israel continued to choose to serve other gods and continued to live in spiritual darkness. They did not love or obey God. So eventually the presence of God left the, tem- the temple. And Ezekiel actually had this vision of seeing the glory of God coming out, leaving the temple and-, and going to the eastern gate. And you can read that in Ezekiel 10. The sadness of the glory departing from uh, the temple. And Uh, The astounding truth was, now this is the thing, I put this title, The Astounding Truth, because I think this is amazing. Old Testament, Ezekiel sees the glory leaving the temple because of the people's sin, and it's moving out from the temple and leaving through the Eastern Gate. New Testament, Jesus arrives, and after a thousand years, the Shekinah glory has reappeared in the person of Jesus. Is that not amazing? And before he came, the Shekinah glory shone out on the hills of Bethlehem when the shepherds came and said, Unto you a king is born. The Shekinah glory had come again after the Old Testament departure. What an amazing God we have. And yet even though Jesus Christ had come and God had kept his promise and sent his Messiah and kept his word that the light would come to them in their darkness, The people still were choosing to live in darkness. These people, and we're going in a moment or two, we're going to look at how they were continuing to choose not to believe God, not to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They were still spiritually blind. John 1 and 11 says that Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. And it's I want you to catch this, because all that I've told you so far is the backdrop to what this next sentence is going to be about. Because this is what we've been teaching over the last few weeks. It was against this backdrop of darkness that Jesus cried out, and I think he probably did it with his arms open, I am the light of the world. The I am is the light of the world. And the Jewish people, they, 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 had, they had just held the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. They'd seen the natural light flooding through Jerusalem, and they'd all got their goosebumps. And they thought, This is wonderful. We're celebrating the Old Testament of uh, the tabernacle, and we're remembering that God was the light and took us through the desert. And probably many of these religious leaders were, were like getting goosebumps and getting excited about it. But listen, they were failing to see that Jesus was the true Shekinah of glory. They were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles and they rejoiced to see Jerusalem flooded with natural light but they themselves were still in spiritual darkness. They were choosing the darkness over the light. Isn't it amazing how something can be right in your face and you can miss it? And that's exactly what was happening here. And so from this point we've now caught up to where we're at and we're going to continue now today and we're going to see see the dialogue between Jesus and these people and let's see what was happening. Because we have a God who wants to bring us into the light. That's where there's peace. You know, one of the things that I say more than anything is that when we walk in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And as well as that, it gets rid of all the stuff between us if we walk in the light. If we bring things into the light, we can forgive each other and we can get on with it. The blood of Jesus Christ, it it gives us that relationship with each other. But it also cleanses us from all sin that means the sin that was done against us and it means the sin that we have committed and it means all the stuff that comes against us through sin it's wiped off us when we walk in the light. And it's one of the greatest secrets of my life has been the moment that something comes that annoys me, I want to bring it into the light to God and if necessary, bring it into the light to another person who it might be important to speak to about that particular thing. And if there's something that's troubling you, I encourage you to bring it into the light because that will render Satan no power to torment you any more about that thing. There is power in walking in the light. But here's the thing, we're going to look at four points and I'm going to read you four portions of scripture as we go through the rest of this chapter now from verse 12 right to the very end of chapter 8. Is that okay? So here we are. We'll just read that verse again. Jesus spoke to the people. I'm reading from the New Living Translation because these verses can get a bit complicated and I want to try and make it as simple as possible. So here's the first little group of verses. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to it. The Pharisees replied, you're making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards. But I do not judge anyone And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect, because I am not alone. The father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my father who sent me is the other. Where is your father? They they asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in, this, in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. He was revealing himself to his people as the light of the world. The one of the, who had been promised to come and fulfill the Old Testament prophecies. And these people were saying that his testimony wasn't valid. But he was saying that his... Sec- you see, in the Old Testament, you have to have two witnesses for a thing to be established. And Jesus was saying, I'm the light of the world. But he had a second witness. The father. The father was his witness. And during the accounts of his baptism, remember his father had broken through the clouds and had said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He already the, the second witness had already spoken. Out to the world that he was testifying that this was the Son of God. The Father had publicly endorsed Jesus to be the Son of God at his baptism, and it's at this place in the te- in the temple treasury that nobody dares to come against them. You know, with all their accusations, you, you know, you're you're how can you be how can you be the Messiah? How, how can you be the light of the world? They don't believe him, but nevertheless, there's none of them can touch him they can't arrest him they can't harm him do you know why because his time hadn't come now throughout the book of john you're going to see time and time again my hour has not yet come or my time has not yet come and i want to tell you something ladies i want to turn this around on you today i'll tell you that there's stuff that god has for your life and you know what nothing can happen to you until your time comes God knows the time of everything in your life and it reminds me of that psalm 31 verse 15 where David said my times are in your hand and I tell you we need to remember that we need to remember that we're not at the at the mercy of the evil one who will come in and try to roughshaw over your life listen your times and my times are in the hand of God And he can't do anything about it. He would love to. He would be jumping around and ranting and raging and trying to come against you and harm you. And to do all kinds of stuff against you. But he can do nothing. Your times are in God's hand. And it's lovely to remind ourselves of that. And to live in the good of that. God is in control of our times. So the first thing I wanted to tell you was that Jesus was speaking to these people. And he lived and he knew his own true identity. And we're going to talk at the end about how God wants you to know who you're, what your true identity is. Who you are in Christ. We're going to look at that at the end of this. Because I tell you something. You're not just anybody. If you have trusted Jesus to be your saviour. If there's been a time in your life where you've invited him to come into your life. And to cleanse you from your sins. And to be your, your saviour. If you understand that he bore your sins on the cross so that you could be free of your sins. If you just invite him in, then you belong to God. And you need to know that your identity is now a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in Romans chapter 8, I love where it talks about, I'll just read it because I have it at the very end here. I love about it. It says, it says for we are his, it says for, sorry, I'm getting muddled up with another verse. The spirit that you received, this is from, uh, from uh, Romans chapter eight, the spirit that you received when you received Christ as your savior doesn't make you slaves, but it adopts you to sonship, where you can start to call God Abba, Daddy. You're now a child of God. That's who you are. That's your true identity in Christ. And you're not. That, those verses go on to say not only that, but you're also a co-heir with Christ. You're, you're a part of the family of God. You have been brought into the family of God. God is your father. You are his child. And, and Christ himself is co-heir with you. And you're going to reign with him throughout eternity. You need to know who you are. Another beautiful picture of who we are is the bride of Christ. You need to know that you're the bride that Christ is your bridegroom that he died for you to pay the price that he could have you as his bride and that we have a future with him so the first point that Jesus was making that he knew and lived in his true identity and I believe today that knowing who we are in Christ is vital Because if we don't know who we are, if we don't know our true identity, we are open for the enemy to come in and tell us all kinds of lies, that we're no good and that everything's going wrong and that we have no power. Yes, you have. Jesus gave you authority to speak in his name and to declare the word of God the truth. And that's a mighty weapon against the enemy. And we need to learn to use it. So our identity is vital for us to understand. Secondly, Jesus knew where he was going. So I want to read this now, this next section from chapter 8, verses 21 to 30. Let me just read these verses to you. So he's continuing to talk with these people. He says, later Jesus said to them again, I'm going away and you will search for me, but will die in your sins. You cannot come where I am going. The people asked, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I'm going. Jesus continued, you are from below and I am from above. You belong to this world, I do not. That is why I said to you, you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am, that I am, you see the I am in there again, who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Who are you, they demanded. Jesus replied, the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, then you will understand that I am, see the verse again, I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me. For I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. So do you see how he was telling these people uh, that he was going away and they couldn't come with him because they didn't know him, that they came belonged to this world and they were still in their sins. So they weren't going where he was going. And he says he, he, didn't, he came from above. He, he came from up there. He came from above, down to this earth, and he did not belong to this world and Jesus said when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross then you will understand that I am he and I do nothing on my own but say only what the father taught me and many who heard him say these things believed in him I love these verses I I love the fact that, uh, that that when Jesus was lifted up on the cross that they would understand you see Jesus knew where he was going and if you have trusted Jesus as your savior, I'll tell you something. You need to know where you're going. You need to know you have a destiny on this earth, and you also know that you need to know that where you're going in the next life. You need to know that's secure in God. You need to know that you have nothing to fear when you trust Jesus as your savior. And again, just those verses. Uh, where 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 are we going in this life and the next? And Psalm sixteen, verse eleven says that. Uh, that he will show us the path of life that in his presence that's now as we go through this life there's fullness of joy and there, is, there are pleasures forevermore in his presence. Thou will show me the path of life. In his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I have to say it in that translation or I can't remember it. That's what I learned when I was a child. You see, so that's the presence now that gives joy in the now. So we need to know where we're going now and in the future. We're headed somewhere. We're headed. We're headed t- towards the kingdom of God. We're going to be in the city, the city of God. We're going to be in the kingdom. We're going to be. In, we're going to know what happens about. We're going to know all of these things because that's where we're going, and we need to understand that. You see. I love what the Apostle Paul said. He said he was letting go of the things that were behind and he was pressing towards the upward call. That's where you're going. You're going upwards. This life, you're going to move from one level of glory to another as you trust God and go through the trials of life. His intention is that you start to move from one level to another level, continually looking upward and moving towards God. And when, whenever we finally go home, We're just going to be with him. We're going to go up to where he is. That's where he belongs. He he doesn't come from from this earth. He comes from above. And we're pressing on towards the upward call. But you know, sometimes the enemy tries to to, to get us confused. And he tries to make us forget that we're going someplace in this life and we're going someplace in the next. He tries to to get us lost. He tries to, to confuse us and get us depressed and all kinds of things. And I was lying in bed last night and I was thinking... I was, I was in Savannah, in the deep south, Savannah, Georgia, for the last um, 10, 12 days or something, and uh, we were staying in a street called Jones Street. A pretty good street, wasn't it? Every time we go over there, they always put us in the same street. It's called Jones Street, and it's a beautiful street. It's tree-lined and big old houses, and uh, these houses, many of them have been put into apartments, so we always go to the same apartment. So... I was spending a lot of time in there and sort of going out for wee walks. And just around the corner, down maybe half a mile away, there was a lovely park called Forsyth Park. So I decided one day I'd go down for a wee prayer walk and I'd walk down to Forsyth Park. So I goes in and I'm coming down and thinking the park's over here on the left. So the bidet is easy. I'll just go in and enjoy the park. And so I'll just... I'll, Not get lost, I'll just come out and I'll come straight up again and I'll, you know, no problem. So I goes down and I turns in this big and it's beautiful and I'm going around and praying and I'm sitting down in this summer seat and having a wee time and the sun was shining with a t shirt and flip flops (laughs) while you were in the snow, sorry about that. And it was beautiful. So I'm coming back again, and I'm thinking, okay, so this is dead easy. I just go out here, turn right, and I keep walking. So I started to walk, and I walked, and I walked, and I walked. And this is definitely not... I must have taken a wrong turn. How could I have taken a wrong turn? So turn back, and if you can imagine an H. Okay, so I've gone up one of the H's, one of the... top. So I come back, and I think, it's the other way. So I go straight through the H, and I walk, and I walk, and I walk, and I walk. This is never end. And that. this is not the right road. So I turned then to, to the right of it, and I asked a couple of people then, and they said, oh, you need to go back the way you came. But I crossed over, so it was actually on the other side of the east, if you know what I mean. So anyway, I came back down again, and eventually came back to the park after a long, long time. And when I got to the park, I thought, okay, they told me to go this way. So I started to walk again. And I can tell you it was a hot day. And I was getting, I had nothing, no drink with me, no water. And I was walking slower and slower. I was really getting really, really exhausted. I knew I was walking really slow because I, I was just losing all my energy. And this big black woman came up behind me. She was prancing <laughs> along. And she says, hey, Han, are you okay? And uh, I says, well, I've just, I'm not too sure if I'm on the right road or not. I want to go to Jones Street. And she says, "Okay, hon, you just keep going straight ahead. You'll come to it very soon. I off she went. And, you know, just the assurance that I was on the right path, I tell you, I just perked up again. And I thought, (laughs) right, we're going on the right path. And, you know, sometimes in life, life can be like that. Sometimes we think, this is so dreary and so long, I must have got something wrong. Or maybe God's got something wrong. And maybe, maybe this is not working out. And maybe I just need to sit down and forget about this. Did you ever feel like that? And every so often we need someone or a friend or we need the word of God. We need to be reading the word of God because God will fairly challenge you. He'll come in with his word. But he uses his people as well. And sometimes we need to encourage each other and say, how you going, hon? Are you okay? Because we need to speak into each other's lives and encourage each other. Keep going. You're in the right path. I tell you, that just perks us up, doesn't it? To continue on the journey. And so Jesus was telling these people not only that he knew his true identity, but that he knew where he was going. And it's really important to God that you know who you are in Christ. And you don't listen to those lies of the enemy that tries to tell you that you're nothing or you're worthless or that your sin is too great or that. God's so offended with you that he's, not, he's forgotten about you. You need to stop listening to those and know that you're his precious child, that you're his beloved bride, that he loves you, and that he is committed to you. He's in covenant love, which is far stronger than a marriage. He is in covenant, devoted love to you. You need to know your identity, and you need to know where you're going, that you have a mission in this life. You know, I love Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that we are his workmanship that means you're his that means you're his masterpiece his poem that's what that word means that's what he thinks about you he thinks oh there's my masterpiece just walk down that road there that's, that's my prized possession those are words that God uses about you and you need to know who you are and you need to know that he loves you he says you're his workmanship created In Christ Jesus, onto onto good works. God has good works. God has a plan and a destiny, and He needs you to know. He needs you to know who you are. And He needs you to know the gifts that He has given to you. Because He's given you He's given all each of us different gifts. And He needs us to know who we are, the gifts He has given us, and to get into working for Him. That's working out who we are in this life and moving into the next. It's a big adventure. Yes, there's hard times. Yes, it's difficult. It's dark at times. But I tell you, with Jesus, it can be the threat of a lifetime. Even in the dark times, his light can shine in the darkness. He's a wonderful saviour. So the first thing he told these people was that he he lived and he knew his true identity. Secondly, he knew where he was going. Now, let's read the next few batch of verses. John 8, verse 31. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Now listen to this. Here's what Jesus said. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If Jesus knew his own true identity, and he knew where he was going, he also knew the secret of freedom. But we are the descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. You know, when we allow the enemy to tempt us and lure us into sin, his plan is to make us a slave to that sin. But Jesus died to set you free from slavery. You're, not, you, you're, 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 you're set free not to be in bondage of any kind. God wants to set you free. I tell you the truth, everyone who, who sins is a slave of sin, Jesus said. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. I wonder if we just say that out everybody together. One, two, three. If the sun sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, said Jesus, I realise you're descendants of Abraham. And yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you're following the advice of your father you see the enemy the enemy wants us to believe lies he doesn't want us to believe truth and I'll tell you something that God wants us to believe the truth because when you know the truth of the word of God the truth will set you free our father is Abraham they declared no, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you're imitating your real father. You see, the people the people, were actually speaking and allowing the enemy to speak through them. They replied, We aren't illegitimate children. Himself, God Himself is our true Father. Jesus told them, If God were your Father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but He sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? Do you see the darkness that Jesus had to contend with? Do you see the darkness in the people and their persistent choice to keep that darkness rather than listen? the son of God who was bringing light to them why can't you understand what I'm saying it's because you can't even hear me for you listen to what Jesus said for you are the children of your father the devil and you love to do the evil things that he does he was a murderer from the beginning he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him and when Satan lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. So Jesus is having this dialogue, and he's really challenging them about the words that they're saying, because they're coming against him. They're, they're, they're speaking out of darkness, and they're coming against Jesus. And you see, here's the thing, that that. Jesus still says that same word to all of us. And that's why it's so important to get the word of God into our hearts. Because if you don't know the word of God, then you don't know the truth. You need to feed yourself. You know, recently I've come across an awful lot of people who are down in the dumps, who are really struggling with their Christianity, who just don't know where they are. And they're, they're just kind of almost saying, this is not working. And, you know, when you ask the question, are you reading the word of God? They'll sort of hesitate for a minute. I just talked to somebody yesterday. Well, actually, no. Well, then, how do you know the truth? How can you use the word of God if you don't read? How do you know the truth if you don't read the truth? If you don't read the truth, you know it's like saying to somebody, "You're starving. Why haven't you eaten for the last two months?" You know what I mean? If you don't eat naturally, you won't have any strength. You'll fade away and you'll die. And spiritually, we need to eat. Consistently from God's word and we need to get to know God's word and rejoice in it and let it permeate our being and permeate our thought life that our thinking is according to what God says and not according to the lies of the devil. Jesus was saying, the person that you've chosen is the one from darkness. He's the one that continually feeds you lies because he's a father of lies and he doesn't know anything else except lies. And if we live listening to those lies, we will live a life that's miserable and we'll be, we will be defeated again and again and again. And we will not be able to overcome because we're not, we're not actually getting the word into our minds and our hearts. When we know it in our mind and we speak it out, I tell you, The truth will set you free. And we can live in freedom from bondage and slavery to sins and stuff that continually trip us up. How many times do we have to tell this? People just get trapped again and again. It's real simple. The enemy doesn't have to think of any great big strategic plan. He just uses the same old one because it just works all the time. He just gets people distracted and away from God's word and away from time with God on a daily basis. And before you know they're starving. And they're weak and they're distracted and they're listening to these lies and being bombarded with the lies from hell. And before you know it, they're in a real weak place. And Jesus was telling them, look, this is the secret of freedom. This is the secret of not being a slave to sin. This is the secret of living the life of overcoming. This is the secret that God wants to give you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. But if the Son sets you free, you will be free and free. Free indeed, and Jesus then went on to say, and I wanted to bring this wee bit in. If here's what he said to these people: If you really were the true children of Israel of Abraham, you would love me. You see, there's a difference between the natural children of Israel, that's the people who came down the natural descendants of Israel of Abraham, and the spiritual descendants. And the Book of Galatians, chapter three, uh, verses six to nine, says this. Therefore. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So, really, the true spiritual sons of Abraham are those who are faithful both Jew and Gentile. That's what this is teaching. As a scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying in you all the nations of God will be blessed. So Abraham, yes, the natural descendants were the Jewish people, but actually the spiritual descendants are anyone, Jew or Gentile, who has faith in God. And so this is what Jesus was telling these people. He was saying, you're not really true children of Israel. And that's why he could say, you're just like your father, the devil, who was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. So have we got those three points? Jesus was speaking about living in our true identity. He was speaking about knowing where we're going. And it rhymes, doesn't it? And he he also was, was teaching them the secret of freedom, of living a life of freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And if you're still finding yourself in bondage to stuff and you're going back to some kind of addictive behavior, I want to tell you that Jesus died. And when you know the truth of what his death on the cross really meant, that actually knowing that can set you free to be free of that addiction. And that's the truth. And then the fourth thing that I wanted to bring forward was Jesus knew the secret of eternal life. Let's just read John 8, the last wee bit of this as we finish off which of you can verse 46 which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin jesus said and since i'm telling you the truth why don't you believe me anyone who belongs to god listens gladly to the words of god but you don't listen because you don't belong to god the people reported, retorted you samaritan devil Didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? Imagine accusing the Son of God as being uh, possessed by a demon. No, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honour my Father, and you dishonour me. And though I have no ways to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth among you, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. I want you to just hear that. Imagine he said this to these people. Anyone anyone who belongs to me anyone who obeys my teaching will never die so he was actually saying they would have eternal life the people said now we know that you're possessed by a demon even Abraham and the prophets died but you say anyone who obeys my teaching will never die are you greater than our father Abraham he died and so did the prophets who do you think you are do you hear what he's up against do you hear hell do you hear the hordes of hell speaking through these religious leaders who have chosen to walk in darkness they're intimidating the son of god they're coming against him and here's what jesus said jesus answered if i want glory for myself it doesn't count but it is my father who will glorify me you say he is our god but you don't even know him i know him If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He sought and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say that you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Listen to this. Before Abraham was, I Um, At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. You see, Jesus was speaking the truth, but the people were accusing him of having a a demon. And he was saying very clearly that uh, anyone who obeyed his teaching, who listened to him, who believed on him, would never die, that they would have eternal life, they would never die. And, you know, when the crowd started to, to, um, to actually come against him and say, do you think you're greater than our father Abraham? I just love these words where Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm going to do this real, real quick because we're coming near the end. I know that different people have different ideas about this and I might not be right, I mightn't be correct. You know, bear with me, but I'm going to just throw it out anywhere and you can decide. Do you know what I believe? Do you know how I how I believe Abraham knew that Jesus was coming? I believe when God asked him to offer up his son Isaac, to take him up onto the mount and to offer him as a as a burnt sacrifice, I believe as Abraham in faith believed God and were told in Hebrews that he had faith to believe that even if he did kill him, that God would still raise him up to life again. And I believe that as he went through that test that God revealed to him do you remember the Lord as he was about to slay the boy, do you remember the voice God's voice cried out to him and said, Abraham, Abraham don't hold hold your peace or whatever it was, "Don't, don't harm the boy and then it says he looked in the bushes and there was a ram caught in the horns of the bush and the ram was going to be offered as a sacrifice of sin instead of Isaac. But well, I believe in that whole test that Abraham had a revelation from God himself, a very personal revelation, that God was going to send his own son and that there would be no ram caught in the thicket, that God's own son was going to die for the sins of the world. And I believe that after that test, I have this picture in my head, and maybe it's not right, but sure, I throat out anyway. I can see Abraham, you know the trauma of that? I can see Abraham when he had this encounter with God beginning to dance. I can see him begin to dance about the place and as he realised God's going to send his own son to the world and he realised that when God promised him away back in Genesis 12 when he was coming out of Mesopotamia, when he was coming out and leaving all his life behind him, all the life that he knew behind him, and he was coming out. God promised him, through you, Abraham, the whole world is going to be blessed. And he realizes through the seed of Isaac, he realizes that salvation's coming to the whole world. And I believe he was so excited about it. He was he was rejoicing about it. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I was here long before Abraham. I know it all. I'm here from way before the beginning. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. And he's saying, Abraham had an insight. I give him a revelation that I was coming. And your father that you're talking about, that you're saying you belong to Abraham, you don't belong to Abraham because if you belong to Abraham, these Jews, you would see me and you would know me and you would receive me as a son of God. The promised one, the promised sacrifice for sin, the final atonement for sin. What a God we have. And it says, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them. And they couldn't touch him as he left the temple. I'll tell you, God is all powerful and he's in control. It wasn't his time. These people had stones in their hands, but they couldn't couldn't throw the stones. Remember, Jesus is the rock of ages. And he can stop people with rocks in their hands. He can stop them throwing those rocks. And you know what? God is a mighty, powerful awesome God and so here's the thing we need to live in our true identity in Christ, we need to know where we're going in this life, what are your gifts what what direction are you going in are you in the right direction are you going to keep going, keep walking because God will walk alongside you and he will give you revelation as you go just as he gave revelation to Abraham how do you know the truth by reading his word and living in freedom God wants you to experience that 2 uh, Corinthians 3.17 says where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom when we walk in the Holy Spirit fellowship that means walking in the light when we continue to walk in the light we find there is freedom when we bring everything into the light before God and how do we enjoy the wonder of eternity now knowing we will be with God throughout eternity you know Revelation 22 says then the angels showed me the then the angels showed me The water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the street of the city, we're going to the city, girls. On each side of the river stood the the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. We're going to see God set up his kingdom on this earth. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in the city, and his servants will serve him forever. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Do you realise that his likeness, you're going to be made like him. His likeness, his name is going to be on your face. You're going to be back to the original glory that he planned for you in the Garden of Eden. But before sin came into the world, the original plan that he had for you is coming to pass. He's going to imprint his glory and his image on your face. You're going to be beautiful. You're going to be mighty. You're going to be just like Jesus. And it says in, in, a, in Revelation 22, They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. He is the light of this universe. I don't know what it's going to be like, but his light is going to be... Remember, Moses had a glimpse of him up in Sinai, and he came down, his face was dazzling so much that he had to cover it. Remember, Jesus went up the mountain with a few of his disciples, and, and he began to become such a bright dazzling because god for a moment let the shekinah glory break out of him and the the disciples looked at him in wonder as they saw the dazzling appearance on the mountain shekinah glory we are going to be like him we are going to know what it's like to be with him for he is the light and it says they that's us will reign forever and ever do you realize that you're being prepared now to reign with christ as a co heir do you realise who you are? Do you realise where you're going? Are you free? Are you getting the word into your heart? Are you believing it? Are you experiencing it? Are you walking in freedom? And finally, are you really enjoying eternal life now? Because it's to be enjoyed right now. The moment you trust the saviour, eternal life starts. And it's never going to end. Yes, you might die. And those of you who have lost loved ones, do you know what? It's really only moving from one kingdom into another. It's not death. They will live forever, your loved ones will live forever, we will live forever, but we'll just change out of this tent. Remember, we're the tabernacle, the walking tabernacle, and Christ is in us. And Paul talks about taking the tabernacle, taking the tent down, If there'll be a time come where the tent will pull up the stakes and, and, and we'll move out of this house and we'll just move into the light and we'll move into the very presence of God. This is the future that you have. Could I ever get you excited about it? <laughs> Because God has great plans for every one of you. And if you're going through a dark place, he's the God who will walk through the darkness with you. And where he is, there is light. And I tell you, he will hold your hand and he will take you through whatever trials you're going through. And he'll bring you through and he'll bring you out changed and more like him because he loves to do that. The darkest years of my life have been the times when God changed and did stuff that was important that brought me out a little bit more like him. So let's, let's do it. Let's encourage each other. Let's keep walking. I just want to say to you all today, Honey, you all right? <laughs> I want to say to you, Hon, keep walking, you're in the right path. Keep going. For the name of Jesus and for his glory, that the light of Jesus will shine out of you and the people will be saying, my goodness, what's that? And people will be drawn to come to the saviour. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're so mighty and so wonderful. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the love of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your commitment to every one of us in this room. Lord, would you revive our hearts again? Lord, would you lift us up and encourage us in these days, because God, we believe we're coming into the we're already in the, the last days. Yeah. Help us to walk, lift up our heads, knowing that our redemption draws nigh. Help us, Lord, to walk out of this place with a little skip in our step. Father, we love you and praise you in Jesus name. The song we're going to sing that I told you to read, as I was walking through Savannah, we sung this song in Savannah. I was over, for a, over there with a retreat, for a retreat with some women and we sung this song and it touched my heart so deeply that I have found myself going through Tesco's and I'm going, he will hold me fast, he will hold me fast for I know he loves me so he will hold me fast and it breaks my heart, it's so beautiful I've loved it over the next week go through Tesco's or anywhere else And sing that to yourself. And know that he will hold you fast. He's got you. He's the I am. The one, the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. And he has got you and he's holding you fast. Bless the Gettys for writing that song. It's a great song. Bless your son, Helen. Because he's a blessing. He's a blessing to the world. Let's sing the song. It's all we've got. And if you don't know it, so sing along anyway. Bless you. we're going to be raised with him to endless life he will hold me fast till our faith is turned to sight when he comes at last we're going to see him we're going to see his face we're going to see his face and his name his image is going to be on our forehead we're going to bear his image We're going to look him in the face. We're going to see Jesus. Let's get excited. Let's get encouraged for this journey. And we're up here at the front. There's a team of women here, as you know, at the front, ready to pray with you. If you want to come up to encourage you along this journey and keep going. In Jesus' name, see you next week. Amen. Amen.